0: It is podcast time, hockey fans. Thank you for watching this Dan K. Show production presented by the Pueblo Bulls. Hello, folks, and
1: welcome back once again to the most watched show in junior hockey, the most listened to podcast in junior hockey, the most viewed Instagram stories in junior hockey, and every once in a while, the most ballparks visited in junior hockey. Dan K. and I are on a ballpark revenge tour because we've been so busy the last couple of years, we just haven't had time to ourselves, to be able to go and enjoy the finer things in life, a.k.a. baseball. But this year, we are getting after it. And a man who always gets after it because he doesn't know any other way to survive, Coach Jim Hankel of the NCDC Connecticut Junior Rangers. Coach, how are
0: you? I'm well. I'm well. Um, Yeah, it's – I like to get after it a little bit. (laughs) I'm happy to see you guys are actually outside of a hockey rink. And, um, you know, I, I follow you guys obviously on Instagram and, uh, I see some of your posts and, uh, look like you got some pretty good venues you hit up. And, uh, I'm a little bit jealous. Um, you know, there are some, some venues that I'd like to hit, but, uh, going to a baseball game and enjoying uh, a day out in the sun and, and, enjoying the environment is, is always peaceful. Uh and you guys uh deserve a little bit of off time I guess.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we I like the I guess you sneak in there. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Take a go just ahead, take know. some time for yourselves.
0: You get you get a hot minute. That's it. <laughs>
1: that's that's really it. What uh is there a baseball stadium on on your list that you like your dream spot that you want to go to you haven't been to yet?
0: Uh so I'd like to go to Wrigley Field. Okay. Uh just because it's a it's an older um stadium. Uh, I've been to, uh, quite a few, uh, baseball stadiums. So, um, but I, I'd like to get out to to Wrigley. I, I think that would be a really, really cool, uh, scenario. Um, but we'll see. Um, uh, I've been, I've been out to, uh, San Francisco. I've been to Dodger stadium, obviously been into the Northeast stadiums. Uh, the other one I wanted to go to is, uh, Camden yards. I heard that's a, a beautiful place to, yeah. uh, see a game and take it in it's a really good scenario so
1: yeah, Ken, there's a couple that
0: are within driving distance i just i i choose not to drive to the high traffic <laughs> areas of philadelphia dc yeah. uh, to see baseball games but i should because they're close and um you know i was at the old philly stadium before uh they they built pnc park and whatnot so so
1: yeah. Well, I mean, if you're if you're trying to avoid uh long drives, you're probably better off going to DC than you are going to City Field because if you oh, catch yeah. the wrong time of day, you just you take you five hours to get there. Yeah, but if
0: I catch the right time of day, I'm in there in like I don't know, <laughs> a hot minute. Which is sickening. It really is. It could be <laughs> yeah. twenty minutes, could be
1: three hours. Who knows?
0: Listen, that's that's my daily commute. Um, you know, yep. I talked to a Billet family the other day. They're like, We live nine miles from Chelsea Piers. I'm like, that's awesome. She's like, yeah, it's like a 20 minute trip. Unless you hit the wrong time, then it could be two hours. And I'm like, Oh, yes, I know. I feel your pain. Yeah. So I mean, it's it is what it is. Yeah, I'm used to it. Um, you know, I was just down and visiting my parents in North Carolina. Um, they're uh just outside of Wake Forest area. Mm -hmm. And uh there's no traffic.
1: It's weird. It's weird. Seventy
0: mile an hour roads. Yep. And there's no traffic. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it's not a big area because it's it's not densely populated like the northeast um but you're not far from raleigh so there's plenty of traffic plenty of people um uh, but there's no traffic there's it, it's all moving it's all flowing uh people know what lanes to be in yep which is part of the <laughs> part of the uh, the positive equation um but yeah i was just down there it's beautiful it's very uh very relaxed and uh peaceful I uh, went on some runs down there and the, the trails. It was it was really nice. So, well, no but, baseball though.
1: No baseball though. I will no say that that Camden Yards is great. Um, you get to hang out in, like that street, kind of like a yawkey way behind the the right field. And uh, San Francisco is just gorgeous. I got to see a night game there. Um, so you get to see like the bay all lit up um, from the third baseline, a little bit higher up. Um, so that was just. Just a gorgeous ballpark. So I'm, I'm right with you on that one. I do want to before we get into obviously the team, the Connecticut Junior Rangers and, and your role with that squad. Um, let's talk about just you and your path through hockey, because every year it's a new crop of players. You're going to have some new players on your team and players coming into the NCDC. And, and, you know, especially now with the younger recruiting classes, we're looking at 07s, 08s, 09s coming up pretty soon. Give them a little insight into who Jim Henkel is as a as a hockey player and how you got to where you are now.
0: Yeah, I mean, going back, uh, I grew up in New Jersey, uh, and hockey wasn't really uh, as prominent as it is now. Uh, it's it's really exploded uh, significantly, uh, which is why you see the influx of you know the Mid Atlantic players really starting to kind of flood the NCAA ranks. Uh, and then, obviously, making their way to the NHL. Um, you know, there's a lot of rinks now that are beautiful, that are rather new, that weren't around when I played. Um, you know, when I was growing up, played at a rink that was outdoors. You know, it had uh, mesh tarping in Old Bridge, New Jersey, that I played in, and the only area that was covered was the snack bar area and the lock rooms. Uh, and when when you played at six, seven a.m. And that wind was whipping you really you know it, it was it was tough to play it um so you know growing up there you know there wasn't really a ton um in that area you played you got on the ice where you could uh my parents when i got to be i think it was like 12 13 um my parents started driving me down to Pensacola to play for the little flyers because that was the closest uh program for us double a wise that made sense uh, so I went there, played for a year uh, and it, it took its toll between the driving, uh, being in a car an hour and a half each way, three times a week. Uh, so I came back closer to home, played a couple of years of, you know, Bantams and Midgets and high school, uh, did really well, grew a lot, had two significant coaches uh, in those realms that really kind of taught me the game uh, on and off the ice and, um, maybe more of a cerebral player versus just a physical aspect I learned a lot as far as systems are concerned uh and then i was able to kind of i guess catapult that into going up and playing juniors for gary Denine and the springfield picks uh back in the old uh, ej days when it was just starting out um played a couple years there and then i was able to go play division one hockey at rpi I played four yard four years there Um, and then I was able to kind of parlay that into, you know, an eight, nine year playing career between the American league and the East coast hockey league. Um, you know, and then I got out of playing and it was, you know, I still wanted to be involved. Um, and that kind of led me down the path of what avenue do you want to go? Um, and I've, I've done it all. I've done the private side of it where it's just lessons and tutoring and teaching, skating, um, and clinics and, and camps, uh, obviously the coaching side of it. I've been down the officiating side of it. Uh, So I kind of engulfed myself with the game of hockey. Uh, And then I kind of found my way with a couple of uh, people that I was very comfortable with in the game that kind of helped guide me into the role I'm in today. You
1: know, they say that in in junior hockey, you have to wear a lot of hats. Your closet is just stuffed (laughs) full of the hats that you have worn across your life. It is if there's a thing in the game of hockey, I feel like I can just text you and ask you and you've probably done it at this point.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it's funny because people always send me random questions. whether it's rules, whether it's, Hey, can we do this? Hey, can we do that? Or I'm having a problem with this system. How did you get it to work? Um, you know, and I think that's a lot of camaraderie we have where we build information kind of in that mental database. Um, and you kind of retain it for some ungodly reason, <laughs> And it, and it always kind of comes back and it's like, oh, yeah, I had that question a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, this is the scenario. Um, I think as far as hats are concerned, I think everybody that's a coach wears a lot of different hats, um, you know, and, and as you get into it and you start really doing this job and you start really kind of peeling back the layers and adding on the years, um, I've found that I've become less and less of a coach uh, and more and more of a sports psychologist and a mentor. And then the third aspect is coaching. Um, you know, the, the biggest factor that I've come across with a lot of these kids coming in now is COVID has taken a significant, uh, toll mentally and emotionally on a lot of kids that they've really struggled to kind of get out of their comfort zone. Um, and that's where the sports psychology aspect of it comes into it. And you kind of get them the, Break the walls down a little bit and release the barrier, and then they get more comfortable, and then their performance, you know, elevates significant. Uh, the mentor role for me is is significant, and the fact that uh, the year we went to the finals, I still got kids on that team that text me and call me. Uh, just had a kid graduate and said, "If it, you know, send me a text, coach. I just want to let you know I, I I finished the job." And this is a kid that wasn't going to go to college. Not only did he go to college, he graduated. Uh, played four years, and he's like pumped that he has a college degree that he can go out into the real world and not have to be a a, a ditch digger or a grunt. Mm-hmm. He can actually go get a job and and support himself and look to start a family, uh, and not have to do two, three, four jobs to do it.
1: I mean, that's it's it's become such a not just even important. It's almost the central facet of of what the junior hockey landscape is, whether it's at the tier three, tier two, tier one level, right? It's being a part of the mental development, you know, tr- traditionally, you'd call that the off ice development, right? But in reality, it's all one now. And I'm sure you've seen that, that off ice, on ice, the barrier has come down over the last five, 10 years in a way that it's just, it's all connected. It's all rolled into one and, and you have to take care of, of all sides of the player.
0: Yeah. and And if you don't, and, and you take one thing for granted, it always comes back to being that's the issue that you have to deal with. and it's it's now gone from being a small little issue to being a massive issue that's now consumed not only one person but multiple players on your team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and the mental side is is huge. and you see it uh, just from all the stuff that's going on, whether it's hockey, uh, football, baseball, the uh, mental side and the mental work. Uh, that everybody is putting in as athletes now uh, has gone up tenfold probably in the last five, six years uh, because there's a lot that goes into it. There's there's a lot that can be drawn out of it. Um, and there's varying ways that you can perform. You can overthink it or you can get to the right point where you're right on point and things are flowing and you're in that flow state and things are good.
1: Yeah, no, that is I, I love I love that you mentioned they mentioned that right off the drop, too, because, you know, it is it, it, like you said, it is just something that is incredibly important. It's something you do so well. And, you know, when you kind of turn the attention now towards your tier two program that you coach uh, the Connecticut Junior Rangers NCDC program last year, you coached at multiple levels. This year, the premier organization being or premier side of the organization being coached by Mike Stanaway. If you want to listen to that interview, you can scroll a little bit farther back. He was one of the first summer series episodes released. You can listen to Coach Mike Stanaway, but don't don't go there yet. First we list first we finish this one. We don't we're not multitasking. You 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 finish the thing and then you go back to the other thing. But with Coach Stanaway now at the premier level, do you feel like this has changed the way you can approach the N C D C? Does it impact or do you feel like it's it's just another of the same thing?
0: Um, so I, I guess part of it is, as I look back to, um, the past successes and failures we've had, uh, I think if you go back to when we were really successful, uh, it was fully engulfed, fully embraced, um, you know, up at the crack of dawn, going to bed at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, watching video on my phone in bed uh, at two in the morning and my wife yelling at me, um, you know, the last two, three years, I've had to kind of partition that time between both levels. Um, Um, You only get so many days and so many hours in a day and so many days in a week. And you start to look at how it compiles and it says, okay, if I put an hour into the NCDC every day and I put an hour into the premiere every day, that's not enough. You need more than that. And then you got to go run an hour and a half practice for each group. So now you're at five hours. It's not enough. Right. So now if I could say, Hey, I could put five hours a day into the NCDC versus two and a half into each, there's a a significant difference, Um, which I'm looking forward to. Um, I'll still be there. I'll still work with Mike. I'll still help him. Uh, part of the process of me doing what I did the last couple of years is to build our premier team is to fire up that pipeline from the 18s to the premier to the NCDC or recruiting a kid into our premier team, building, developing and promoting him from within getting him games during the season. And hopefully he sticks around and he's part of the group going forward after that. Uh, We didn't have that. And that was a tough part. Right. When we when we first went to the NCDC, you know our premier team struggled. We hired a, a gentleman who was just out of hockey, brilliant hockey mind, but mm-hmm. didn't understand the landscape of recruiting and doing all that. Uh, was torn between whether he wanted to be full time coaching or if he wanted to be in a, a real world job. Uh, he ended up taking a real world job. So then we were back to square one, uh, and we really didn't have any continuity where it was year after year after year uh, after. Kind of seeing that and seeing where we were at, it just made sense to 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 twofold it and say, okay, you're going to do both. Uh, and by doing both, it you know it it raised the stakes, you know, for the premier guys. Hey, my coach also coaches the NCDC team. He's on the ice with me every day. He's in the video room. We talk about things in practice. Uh, we we talk about things in a game. My promotion may be a lot easier down this avenue, which helped significantly with both teams recruiting wise ncdc and Premier.
1: well and it's it's like you said you 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 pull out those numbers right an hour on each program in terms of video recruiting an hour and a half on the ice and all of a sudden you think about the traditional nine to five work day is half done right yeah. you throw in you throw in you know 30 minutes for lunch and now all of a sudden and you're you're down time and and the day is done right so it is it's so important, especially with the amount of work that goes into, into any level of hockey, right? Not just the NCDC, but you look at you look at the full-time nature of coaching one team, and you almost feel like you, you have to have separate coaches at, at the level. I mean, obviously, the coaches work together. You're all under the umbrella. Um, I don't know if you're... Actually, this is an interesting side note here. Are you going to be... Uh, what, what's your reaction going to be maybe the first time you see Coach Stanaway throw a six-on-three power play and uh pull the goalie in the in the first period is that going to be like a blood boil moment are you going to be okay
0: no i'm actually uh i'm excited um and and part of the reason i'm excited um is obviously i've coached against him the last couple years and not only does he go out and find good players but they're always uh, a group that is a very potent offense uh so i'm eager to pick his brain a little bit more to see how we can generate some more offense at the next level um But I'm also eager to see how he operates behind the bench. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, at at the end of the day, we all have to learn as coaches. um, And no better way to learn than from other coaches that are in your facility. Um, You know, I've had the opportunity in the last couple of years to be around some really, really intelligent hockey minds in my office, just listening to them talk. And, you know, you learn little tidbits of information. Uh, Obviously, I jump on a lot of different podcasts. Uh, hockey related, non hockey related, to learn different aspects and try to make myself uh, stronger uh, emotionally, so I hold it together a little bit better on the bench. Uh, so no, I, I don't think it'll be a blood boil moment. Uh, I think it'll be more of a, a chuckle, going, "Well, let's see how this works out." And uh, <laughs> if it does work out, let's look let's look at the video and figure out how we can maybe implement it at the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny because. You talk about overtime, um, and you talk about three on three. Uh, I know the Sedine twins in Vancouver have always said, if you win the opening faceoff, pull the goalie right away and go yeah. to a four on three. Now you lose the chance because if you lose the puck, it's in your net unless you're good enough to to get it back from them. But think about if you put four skilled guys in a four on three type of scenario in the play and the overtime, and you know that may be the difference between you getting in and out of the playoffs.
1: Yeah. I mean, at that point, right, especially if you are in a playoff scenario, yeah. you, you, you don't want to. The the three-on-three, three, as much as you know it, it does cause some division in, in the game of hockey, I don't particularly like it for overtime. I get why it exists. But to only have three skaters in front of you, and usually when one team's on the attack, the defending team is swapping out one or two guys. So you're yeah. just constantly in a rush situation. I, I I don't hate that idea.
0: No. So, I mean, it's, you know, you, you start to think about that, um, uh, scenarios and again, like they, they implement that because they want more offense. They implement that because they, they know how exciting it is, right. Mm-hmm. It's a back and forth. Um, you know, so it's fun. It's great for the fans. It's not great for the coaches or, you know, the blood pressure or, <laughs> you know, how many, how many miles you got to run after a game. If you, if you take one on the chin because of it, um, but at the end of the day, it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, it's a different element. It's something added into a practice environment that wasn't there a handful of years ago. Um, again, and you, you talk about having somebody that can handle, you know, video breakdown. Somebody that's going to handle the lineup and the line charts. And that's not going to be something I have to do. I mean, there were days I was going in doing video with the NCDC team, getting on the ice for an hour half practice, getting off, doing line charts, changing, putting my suit on, going on the bench and coaching. Um, It it was a lot. It was a lot. And again, it wasn't a scenario that was, hey, you have to do this. Uh, It was a scenario that was, hey, I think this may be the best scenario for our program right now until we get our footing. Um, And I guarantee if you ask a number of coaches, would they have come to coach our program three, four years ago? I'm going to tell you no. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have signed up for that. And a lot of that was, there was no reputability. There was no significance to our program. There was no winning, you know, tied into it. You know, it was, we, we got by. Um, and then the other factor that's going to be, uh, significant is the connection, right? Like I've built a significant connection between the NCDC and premier. Um, they were one big family. We went on road trips together. Uh, there were weeks where we would practice two and three days a week, knowing who our opponents were. We would practice two days a week together, trying to help and sort out. Um, you know, if we were playing an aviators team that played fast, that was, you know, all over the map, I would have the premier guys on the ice with the NCDC guys twice just to prepare them speed wise. Um, then we would do a lot of special teams. If we knew we had a refereeing crew that called a lot of penalties that was coming in. We would have enough guys on the ice to run power play PK at both ends to make worthwhile the ice time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we ran a lot of scrimmages, five on five, four on four. Uh, you know, to up the intensity and to work on our conditioning aspect by having both teams on the ice. So that's something we'll continue to do. Uh, I'm interested to work on the ideology system side that that Mike uh, implements and see how he does it, uh, and see if we can't roll it in, uh, and see if I can help him a little bit. I mean, he's been uh, pretty close to to winning some national championships and see if, yep. you know, our systems and ideology that we implement in our building uh, at this level can help him potentially get over the hump and get him a national championship. So uh, up and up at both levels for the program. So we're excited about it. Um, my workload is not going to change. I'm just going to, you know, invest Shifting those it. hours into the NCDC.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it is part. I mean, you had the you spoke about reputation, right? And the reputation of the organization and and what you've built over the last couple of years is in, is incredibly impressive. And you, you look at an organization as we turn our attention to the NCDC specifically, an organization that has has been to a Deneen Cup, an organization that is a a constant factor every season at the end of the year when you get to playoff time. The Connecticut Junior Rangers loom kind of in the corner over the shoulder of every every Deneen Cup hopeful. Every single coach you talk to towards the end of the year just says, I really don't want to have to play the Connecticut Junior Rangers to get me where I need to go. Um, and I think that's part of, of you know the what you give to the players, the system's work that you obviously have built up a lifetime of understanding, um, and the quality of player you recruit. So now we look at what you're building for this season for the NCDC. And we talked a little off air about, you know, I'm going to ask you the hockey question of how does the team look? And you can either give me the hockey answer or you can give me, you can give me the answer you gave me off air. Either one's fine, but how does the team look right now? And if you want to throw an add on for, for players that are coming down the pipe, right? These 07s, 08s, 09s. What is something about the Connecticut Junior Rangers that might, set you apart from, from other organizations at this level.
0: All right. So we'll start with the first aspect. Uh, How does the team look? The team looks great. Um, But again, I don't know where that's going to kind of factor in fully. Um, You know, there's a lot of camps that go on. Um, You know, we'll have some kids taking part in some USHL camps. Uh, We'll have some kids taking part in North American league camps. Um, Obviously with that being said, Uh, like I said, off air until I see the whites of their eyes in August, um, I don't really know what my team is going to look like. We work hard, uh, as a coaching staff, uh, in every league and every venue, uh, whether you talk about the NHL, uh, NCAA, uh, the USHL, the BCHL, the NCDC, we work hard to recruit players on a consistent daily basis. Um, my team i like where we're going i think we're going to be uh as deep if not deeper than we were last year kind of getting back to the shades of when we went to the Deneen cup um how they perform and and how long it takes them to get acclimated uh is a factor um you know you got kids coming in from prep school you got kids coming in from 18u 16u um, kids coming in from other junior teams other junior leagues Right. And getting them all on the same page is, is what training camps about. Uh, obviously, we'll have our main camp but we'll have a good amount of them there and we'll start to kind of implement some stuff uh, with that, which will be really important. just uh, way when we get into you know the end of August, September is less of a learning curve and we can kind of push the pace versus push the systems. Um, you know so until I know really in August, you know kind of how it factors out, I don't really know. Uh, I do know that the conversations that I've had with players have been very positive. Uh, I know they are eager and excited for the next level, for the next chapter, for the next opportunity. Um, you know, we, We've put an onus and a factor on uh, certain ast- uh, aspects and attributes uh, that we're looking for in players. Uh, I think we've hit a couple home runs with some players. Uh, but again, it's that acclimating to the next level Um, you know, are they going to be able to hit the ground running or are they going to have to take a step or two and then a step back and two steps forward, uh, until they fully get, uh, where they need to be. Um, there's some kids from our premier team last year that performed really well, uh, throughout the season and towards the end of the season that, uh, I'm excited to see their development over the summer. We've been in very good contact. I think those are guys that are going to factor into our group for next year. Um, and then you start talking about, you know, the younger kids, um, 06s 07s 08s uh some of our kids that we drafted this past year um i i think with us and what you'll see as we have them come in we're a family um we we are a big family from our owners uh to vinnie rgm uh to myself and you'll see mike stanaway will kind of filter right into that family environment uh, all the way down to our youth programs. Uh, a lot of our junior kids help out throughout the week uh, with our, our youth skill sessions, practices, goalie sessions. Um, so that it's, a, it's a family. It's a family environment. Um, we're in the understanding that they're there for certain aspects, but they're also integrated into those youth teams to push those kids to understand that there is a higher level within the building, and it kind of gives them a goal and sets the goal, hey, I want to get there one day. I want to push myself every day in practice so I can be at that level sooner rather than later. So I think for for one, uh, I think that's a big factor for us. Uh, I think what you said earlier, um, with us being a factor uh, mm-hmm. and being there consistently, um, I, I think that's another factor that you're going to come in uh, and we're going to be a very competitive club year in and year out. Uh, We didn't have the results two years ago. uh, And as you saw, we completely overhauled the team going into last season. And I think we took some good steps forward. Um, Not nearly where we need to be. Um, We we are pushing the envelope this year though. Uh, Like I said, the extra hours uh, will be implemented and put into the situation uh, specifically to get us back into that realm uh, of being in the playoffs and being a, a top five or six team in the league and putting ourselves in a situation to really be competitive for the Dineen Cup.
1: We're going to take a quick, quick step back here, coach. I think the biggest mistake that Dan and I always make with you is not booking you for a four hour podcast. That is, <laughs> that is the biggest thing. And I think I, I've come up with a solution. I was thinking about this last night. I think what we're going to do with you this year is once a month, we're going to have you on. And we're gonna pick a topic. We're gonna we're gonna do a Connecticut Junior Rangers check in, but then we're gonna pick just a topic, whether it is fitness, which I know you're so passionate about, the mental side of the game, which you're so passionate about, could be a baseball check in in September. How many baseball games have you gone to? But I think I think that's the the only solution because a four hour podcast, I have trouble getting through like history podcasts that are four hours long. So we will we'll try to do that. How's that sound?
0: Amen. I like it.
1: Love it. Um, we're going to take a quick breather here so that we can play a game. We have we have gone through some of the conversation here. You've just heard it. We're now going to play the second half of Minor Chats. We're going to be asked rapid fire personal questions. There are no wrong answers, but some answers have been wrong in the past. You do get to pass if you don't know an answer or would like to skip. Coach, you. are you ready?
0: How much time do I get? 60 seconds? You
1: get 60 seconds on the clock.
0: Are you going to put it on the screen so I know?
1: I will put it on the screen in post-editing. <laughs> this is going to be a video, so you'll see it in post. I will simply interrupt you when the time is over. Um, okay. This will also track your ability to track 60 seconds in real time while also answering nonsense questions.
0: Beautiful. Does this time start when you finish the first I'll, question? or I will it tell you, right you no, away?
1: no, time starts right away. I got to be quick, too. This is just as much on
0: me okay. as it is Okay, all right, so it's on you. This isn't... Uh, this isn't a family feud where the clock starts once I finish the first question. No huh?
1: I, I just got chirped by Jay Whitta for being too slow on my questions, so. Now, <laughs> so now we gotta we gotta make sure we speed things up. So we'll start in three seconds. Three, two, one, go. What is your favorite color? Blue. You could only eat one food for the rest of your life. What would it be?
0: Chicken cutlets.
1: Cats or dogs? Dogs. Going for a peanut butter and jelly, are you a chunky, super chunky or creamy guy? Super chunky. Favorite movie?
0: Ooh, Rounders.
1: What is your what is your go-to coffee order? Black. Name your favorite Taylor Swift song. Fearless. Other than Taylor Swift, what is your favorite band?
0: Ooh. Uh, Dave Matthews band. Matt.
1: If you weren't a coach, what would your job be?
0: Uh pass.
1: Are you enjoying this game show so far? Yes. Do you think snakes are trustworthy? Yes. What is the hardest working position in the game of hockey?
0: Oh, uh, center.
1: Favorite topping on a pizza?
0: Ooh, um, mushrooms.
1: Planes, trains, or automobiles? Automobiles. If I gave you a million dollars right now, what would you spend it on?
0: Ooh, uh, vacation.
1: Do you want a million dollars? Sure. Oh, coach, I am so sorry. The time went off just before we got to that last question and answer. You do not win the million dollars. It remains Uh, safe in Dan K's beach bungalow down in Florida. No one's been able to get it yet. It's just sitting there in a a relatively low security case for the amount of money that's involved.
0: We're going to have to Donkey Kong that.
1: <laughs> a little bit of a heist, but let's see you you got through one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Coach, I think you I'm gonna have to go back and double check the video. You might be the leader in the NCDC clubhouse after this one. Now, for the folks watching at home, I will have already verified the leaderboard will come up and you'll see the correct answer. but I believe coach, you might be on top of the leaderboard right now.
0: I like it. i said i said pass on the work thing because i can't see myself doing anything outside of hockey
1: that was an interesting pass i will give you that that's usually one that that most people kind of kind of have maybe it maybe it showcases that uh that dedication we were talking about before it's only coaching for you all in baby (laughs) all in well i i will tell you this coach i uh as we get started as we start to wrap up here just because we're running out of time i want you to think about your parting words I want to briefly touch on your exercise routine. We know how, how much you get after it. We know how much you exercise. And, and truthfully, on days like this morning, when I just didn't want to go for my run, I've been doing doing two to three mile runs every day, plus gym sessions. Got to get rid of some of that pandemic bread weight. The bread is delicious. Mm. The pasta, I make a seafood ravioli from scratch. They'll knock your socks Whoa. off, but will make Whoa. you gain twenty five pounds in about six months if you eat it enough. So, uh, trying to work that off, and uh, there are days when I don't want to work out. And I think, what would Coach Enkel do? And and I think in that in those moments, I know Coach Enkel somewhere is lifting some kind of weight, and that gets me that gets me going to the gym.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I think the biggest factor is varying it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I was I was going to a CrossFit. Uh, I went back to my own routine, doing my own thing, which consisted of running every morning uh, and then doing a workout. And it was more of a typical bodybuilding, push pull, upper body, lower body kind of circuit stuff that I would do. And uh, now I'm back into this. Uh, you want to say it's kind of like a boot camp CrossFit style. Okay. Uh, and the workouts have been great. It varies, right? So one day it's 12 minute emoms, three sets of it. Uh, one day, like today was a 12 minute AMRAP, but I did, you know, probably three, 10, 13 different exercises and it's 12 minutes of go. Uh, and each portion of it had a cardio component. Uh, so it's not where you have to be, you know, on the the blacktop running for three miles. Uh, it was you know, some cardio with the bike, some cardio with rowing, and then a little bit of running involved. Um, and, and a lot of it is getting your heart rate up, and keeping it at a sustainable level that you can actually push a good pace. Uh, too high of a heart rate, you can't push through your, your constant taking breaks to, to get yourself to calm down. Too low of a heart rate, you're not burning enough calories. Right. Uh, and I think a lot of factors that people don't understand is just because your workout ends doesn't mean the burn is done. Uh, So there's a post-workout caloric burn uh, that is just as big of a factor, um, right? So when you're done working out, don't shut it down right away, right? Go for a five-minute walk because those calories will be significant in burning ancillary fat, not necessarily muscle building or uh, conditioning where your heart rate or your uh, lung capacity grows, but the, the thermogenic burning post-workout and a five minute walk is significant. Um, that's where a lot of people miss out. They get done with their hour workout and they're done. They shut it down. They don't do anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what I've, what I was starting to do is I would do, you know, a five to seven minute walk stretch and do like a 20 minute run and then go do a 45 minute left. And then I'd go on the bike for five minutes or seven minutes or walk for another five minutes. Uh, and again, it doesn't have to be a fast pace. It doesn't have to be, you know, where we're in a marathon walking. Get on something that's comfortable for you, but you feel like you have to work a little bit and go for a walk. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I recently started walking with a 40-pound weight vest for 45 minutes as a, a secondary workout. It's a lot harder than I <laughs> But it was gonna be.
1: <laughs> well, I can I was gonna say I can tell you from first hand experience how hard that is because my 40 pound weight is made up of the seafood ravioli we talked about earlier. Uh so I'm constantly Yeah. So when, when,
0: when can I get on the uh when can I get on the dinner list for, for that seafood ravioli? I mean, maybe maybe like,
1: that'll maybe we'll do a, a little a little in-person podcast. I'll make some yeah, I'll bring like, it up.
0: now we're talking.
1: It's only a 60-minute drive or a four-hour drive, depending on what time of day I leave. So
0: hey, if I leave at two a.m. I'll be at your house by 7 PM that I can guarantee
1: <laughs> there'll be some stops along the way, but I'll get there. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent down for that. As long as you don't wake me up at 4 AM the next day to go for a workout, you can, you can definitely come by for dinner.
0: Oh, come on, man. That's the fun of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the, that's the second that's- helping a ravioli. That's where it goes you got to, it. to the workout.
0: Yeah. And then, and then post-workout you can get your second lunch, a light lunch of that seafood ravioli. And you're golden
1: light lunch. It, it's it's that's it's, how you know got to work it, man. It, it's what it is. It's a light lunch of seafood, then a heavy dinner, then a light breakfast. Also, seafood ravioli. This is a revolutionary diet. Well, if you're diet.
0: eating it for three meals, that's a problem. <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't want it to go bad, So I understand you eating it for three meals. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. But,
1: but, yeah, coach, thank you. Thank you so much. Before we let you go, we've got a couple minutes left. I want to make sure we get your parting words in here. It could be anything you want, whether it's a future recruiting class, a team coming up, or just for the parents at home, anything you want to let them know.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for the work that you guys put in. Um, I think our league is, is grown by leaps and bounds from the beginning. I think uh, very bright days are ahead for our group. Um, and I think, you know, with the expansion, I think it's new things are on the horizon. I think there's a buzz. Uh, A lot of coaches that I've talked to so far this spring uh, slash summer uh, seem a little bit more energized than, than years in past. Um, I know our league meetings behind the scenes and what we've been doing has been great. Um, You know, and I'm excited for, for the next steps for this. Uh, And I'm excited for the next grouping of players that get to come in, Um, you know, When one ends, the next one begins, Um, you know, and this has become a 13-month type of job. Uh, But I'm excited to be part of it, and I'm excited for, you know, the foundation to continue to grow. Um, And and for us as a program, I'm excited for this year coming up. Uh, Obviously, knowing Mike's part of the group, um, you know, the players that we've been in touch with recruiting-wise that haven't kind of signed on yet, but also the kids that we have signed. Uh, we've got some really good things going, and uh, I'm excited to get this this show on the road and, and get this group going. Main camp's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's a grind. It's tiring, but I, I think it's well worth what we do, um, and, and we'll finally find out how good a shape I'm in once main <laughs> camp runs around.
1: Love that, Coach. My parting words here are work hard, keep it fun. You've heard a lot of a lot of both today on today's podcast that, you know, you've got to put the work in. You, you've you got to you can't expect results without putting in the work, which I think might be the updated version of no pain, no gain, because we don't we don't want to hurt ourselves. We want to make sure that we are we are growing, that we are changing, that we are improving. We want to make sure that we're doing all of that within safe limits, within what we know our bodies can accomplish. But we also have to make sure that we have fun, that we take that time, that we go to a baseball game, that we. You know, learn a new skill that we just sit yes. back, cook dinner and and maybe shut the phone off for 45 minutes. It's a little bit of both. It's all important. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to all of our sponsors, our presenting sponsor, the Pueblo Bulls. Selly Salt, sprinkle a little salt on your next meal. Body Trick, you can get all of the all the products, all the all natural products that help your body smell great and stay clean, especially for those hockey parents out there. Those bags, we yeah. are gone. So we want to thank all of those sponsors and thank you for listening to the Dan K show podcast. We'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to the most watched show in junior hockey, the Dan K show presented by the Pueblo bulls. For more information about the Dan K show, head to www.dankeshow.com.